Trauma. It's a word that you've probably heard thrown around quite a bit, but what is trauma, really? My name is Shanna White, but you can call me Shan. I'm a psychologist, and defining trauma is a pretty big part of my day-to-day life. But my job goes beyond providing a dictionary description of what trauma is, because that's just the tip of the iceberg, as they say. No, my job is to define trauma, to highlight its impacts, and most importantly, to help those who've lived through it to figure out how to thrive beyond it. I've spent years working with children, adolescents, and adults, trying to guide them through the process of recovering from complex trauma. Needless to say, I've seen and heard a lot, and now you will too. But first, a trigger warning. This podcast deals with some pretty heavy topics, including domestic violence, substance abuse, mental illness, crimes against children, self-harm, sexual abuse, multi-generational trauma, and suicide. If you don't think you're in the right headspace to deal with any of these topics right now, please cut yourself some slack, take a deep breath, and come back another day. I'll be here. I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and elders on all the lands on which we work and meet. I appreciate the significant place Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders hold, and I identify them as the first Australians. I value and celebrate Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander history, culture, and future, and I'm committed to supporting reconciliation through speaking the truth, pursuing justice, and creating opportunities to heal together. I pay my deep respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders past and present and acknowledge all Aboriginal children, young people, families and staff who I provide services to now and in the future. I embrace and commit to the spirit of work and self-determination, empowerment and reconciliation. The Trauma Tale started as a little passion project to entertain me during lockdown, but it's turned into something so much more than I ever could have imagined. I'm the host, the producer, the admin, marketing, content developer, social media manager and designer. I could sell the Trauma Tales, but that would mean that the anonymity of the people I interview wouldn't be as protected as it is now. See, it's only me who knows and I swore to protect the people who share their stories with you. But that means that I don't get to take in any of the network's funds either. So to keep the trauma tales running, I've launched a Patreon account for those of you who want more than just the regular seasons. Patreons will be entitled to discounted merch, extra content, and heaps more, like Q&As with me. So to help me keep this podcast going, jump on the link in the show notes and make a one-time contribution or a monthly subscription so I can keep sharing these stories with you and protect those who honour us with their tales. Welcome back to the Trauma Tales, everybody. Today, it is my pleasure to introduce Thean to you. Hi, Thean, how are you going? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm really good. Um, Let's dive in. So would you like to share, Thean, a time in your life where you experienced trauma? Um, I think my story would probably go way back into when I was still in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And I was I was about, I think it was nine or 10 years old at the time. And I start, like, I start figuring out that the relationship between my stepbrother and my mom wasn't as good as I thought it's supposed to be. And then about, I think about a couple of months after that, my 
dad went to prison for about five and a half years. Oh. From when I was year six till middle of year 11, I think. Jesus. And then, yeah, like. Hey, it's me. Sorry to interrupt. Um, I'll let you get back to it in just a sec. But I just wanted to stop for a second because I really wanted to celebrate this little podcast and how much it, it has grown in just a year. So I want to celebrate with each and every person who has honoured not only me, but over 2,000 people with their stories. So I want to invite you to a party. So join me on the 29th of April, 2022 at 8.30pm Australian Eastern Standard Time for a completely free online cocktail party. I'm going to be interviewing some special guests. We're going to have giveaways. We're going to play games and I'm going to make some big announcements. So to get your free tickets, go to our link tree and click on the tickets. It should be in the show notes. Don't forget to connect on Facebook and Instagram for some personally curated cocktails that we can enjoy together. All right, guys, back to it now. I'll see you at the cocktail party. Bye. It was a little bit of a root shock because actually how I found out was that day was actually my grandmother's anniversary of like the day that she passed away. Like, I think it was like her 20 or something anniversary. So we were supposed to go traveling to go to her anniversary and suddenly about at like I think it was like nine thirty a.m. or something. Someone just say, "Oh, dad's gone." What? Someone taking him away. So someone just so they just took him away. Well, I don't really see it. I just that it's like around nine thirty or something like that. Someone just tell me. I think when my mom, and my brother say, "Oh, we're not going to see grandma anymore. Dad has been taken into like some like." apprehended or whatever the word that you use yeah did you so they, out of nowhere like you had no idea nope no one know anything oh i i guess maybe the adult knows but when you are nine years old ten years mm-hmm. kid you probably doesn't know that much and mm-hmm. it's a and it's not and it's a political thing so it's not like anything that's like like a, he hurt anyone or anything like, it's just right. a political kind of stuff happening and him and his department end up being the one that have to take the bullet so whole thing. yeah i'm just trying to wrap my head around so he he didn't commit a crime as such it's not necessarily a crime it's just like um so he used to be the like the head of the land department in my city uh-huh. so at the time i think there was a big i think it was a big property development like a whole site developing mm-hmm. and it involved um it involved like the reha- rehabilitation of like of some farmers land and to get farmers land you got to give them compensation either in money cash or give them other land to go and stuff yeah i think one of the farmer wasn't really uh really appreciate what he has been given so he asks for more and stuff like that and usually with the system how it works in Vietnam at the time they would find a way to make it work for stuff but no one I I didn't really I I never asked the detail but the story I got told was that because his complaint wasn't really dealt with properly and it got to one of the one of the newspaper writer and Mm -hmm suddenly it come to the newspaper and everyone reads it and it becomes the biggest shit ever. Right. So like a 
corruption or yeah they 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 write like that in oh. the newspaper and stuff and so was, was your dad the only one that went to jail for this i was like the whole department oh my god like a whole group of people oh yeah it's fair, fair. i i can have i think i can know the top of my head like five six people but yeah i could not remember how many more wow that's yeah for five years and he was like, I think he was 60 at the time. Oh. So he was yeah. older as well. So he had you. My, yeah. My dad, had me when, my dad had me when he was like 52 or something because he's, he's 1946. Mm-hmm. So he's born in 1946. So he's like, what? How old is he? 76 now. I'm mm-hmm. 26. So he had me when he was like 50, 51. Wow. That's quite old so how yeah oh was your stepbrother oh he's like he's like 43 44 now okay so, so i'm trying so to put the family like a, dynamics together so your mum was dad's second wife yeah and they had you together yeah and dad had a son from his a previous relationship two sons two sons, two sons. from a yeah. previous relationship who were quite a bit yeah. older than you Oh, a 20-year gap, yeah. Yeah, yeah, about 20 years. Okay. And one of his, your half-brothers or stepbrother was with, living with you. All of them live, we all live in the same house. All live together. Yeah. Okay, so that begs the question, I suppose, what, what happened? You mentioned there was a problem in the relationship between your older brother and your mother. What happened there? I think it was just like... I don't really know the detail, but from what I've gathered, it's just they just don't like each other at all. I think just because like I think because the, the first wife passed away. Oh. So that's why that decided to marry my mom. Yeah. But I think I think that happened when the yeah, the stepbrother was like around 20 or something. He doesn't really approve it or something like that. I, I I don't know. That's what I got told. I never asked. I never managed to dig down. Yeah, but you're a ever. kid, so you wouldn't have sort of really thought much but of it. You just was, knew that he didn't get on with her. Well, there's also the fact that he slapped her. So he slapped her. Yeah. In front of you. Uh, sort of, yeah. And this was when your dad had gone to jail. No, that was before. That was like nine months or some some months before. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And you're only a little kid. Yeah, I was eight, nine years, something like that. Yeah. That's a lot for a little kid. But then what happened? Oh, and then, yeah, dad went to prison and then they still live together to, yeah, we all, we live together till like, I don't know, they only move out till after I go to Australia. Because Asian culture, you stick together, <laughs> you always live together, and stuff like that. It's very different comparing to how it is in Australia. Mm. So how did so, you come to Australia? Uh, just finished year twelve, and then just like, nope, I'm out of here. <laughs> Fair enough. And what was that like? Let's put it. There was three. 
honestly, there's three reasons why I do that. Mm-hmm. Once was at the time, like the how I think my mindset at the time was first was that my uh like like with all the argument I was saying in high school and stuff between my mom and my dad and I just couldn't don't take it anymore I was like yep I'm out here I don't want to stay here anymore mm. and I sort of did I sort of developed like a resemblance that I absolutely hate anything that's Vietnamese culture or Asian culture mm. so that's why I moved to Geelong where I was like that's sort of like that hate sort of gave me the motivation to start because I, I start like learning Aussie culture and stuff because I, I I just at the time I just hate anything that's Vietnamese culture I, I was just like I'm done with this culture Wow. So you just sort of like started to resent anything and everything to do with your culture because of what you'd been through. Yeah. And then that's the first thing. The second thing was because of they always argue a lot because could be about like, oh, who's getting what with uh like you know, like um like who like with what what's left in the family in terms of assets. So like, who's going to get the will, who's getting what, who's getting oh, what. Jesus. And I'm just like, like, it was just that open conversation. And I'm just like, well, if that's how everyone's fighting, I'm just going to go overseas and burn the fuck, like just get rid of that money by like, just like, because, you know, the student fee of international students are fabulous. Mm. So I was just like, oh, I'm going to go overseas and study. Just, to make it become less I don't know that was my thing at the time I don't know what I was thinking but that yeah, was yeah. how I was thinking at the time no no I get it it makes sense it's like well pff, if you're gonna fight about it I'll just spend it anyway yeah and I've got to that's, be honest that that's was... that's not a that's not a Vietnamese thing that's everybody when it comes to money every so many families they will fight and lose connection about bloody money happens all the time people go stupid yeah. when they talk about money and then, um, yeah, the third reason was because of like how at the time, how I was thinking was like, well, my family's going shit. Uh, I, I really like, there was like, you know, high school kid romance and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. So I was trying to like get someone and I was like, oh, like, on her birthday, I was trying to do like, oh, you know, at the time was like, like flash mob was really the big thing, like balloon and. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember them. Yeah, I was doing one of those and obviously the question was the answer was no. Oh. I asked her out with all those things, but then obviously the answer was no. Oh. And then no one in family, no one really know what happening with my family because I was masking it with other stuff pretty well. Like that's another story. But like, yeah, so I was like, yep, there's nothing left for me here in Vietnam. So that's when I sort of deviate from studying to go to university in Vietnam and study English to go overseas study wow and you came to Geelong yeah yeah I was like because at the time I sort of convinced I never tell like I sort of tell my parents I was like oh I'm gonna go overseas so I want to learn and stuff mm-hmm. so I was like give me to the era there's, there's no Vietnamese Right, because because uh, because I was saying I just hate anything like Vietnamese culture. Yeah, so I don't want to associate. Yeah, and like and that that thought dragged along for a long long time. Like I don't, 
I think midway to Australia, I don't have that thought anymore, but that also like affected like the fact that I probably have like two Vietnamese friends since coming to Australia, <laughs> three, two or three, which is nine years ago. So, Wow, what was it yeah. like coming to Australia? Well, let's just say I didn't feel much like because you move down. Funny enough, because you know much about Melbourne's uh, area, like geography. No, I'm from Sydney, so. So, when I first come to Australia to study, I got put into. So long story short, I got dropped off at like Sunshine Coast. Oh. Because there's a campus of the university there. Yeah. And then on the day of the orientation. I Google to go to the orientation. I was like, wait, why is it three hours away? <laughs> so, and I was under 17 as well. So they got to do like emergency. So I missed the whole orientation. Break. Oh no. And I was, I was freaking out. Cause yeah, I was like, oh, you're 17. You come to a new country. You don't know anyone. You're like, Wah. so. Yeah. Wow. I went, yeah. And that's when I, yeah, I got to move to Geelong and I missed the whole orientation week. So, <laughs> oh, so I would have been so panicked. So Geelong is like, yeah, Geelong is like Gold Coast and then where I got dropped off was like Sunshine Coast. Right. I, yep, I see now. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're yeah, a bit away from each other. And yeah, for a 17 years old kid. I, and I have to stay homestay as well. Oh, how was that? that? I was under 18. Oh. So you can't live out on your own. And it was it was an it was an adventure. I'll bet. No, because like the first family that I moved in was like I say it was only for two weeks because it was in like Sunshine Coast kind of yeah. distant. The second one I moved in was really nice, but then they have a holiday book overseas for like a month. I stayed with them for like three weeks and then they say me, oh, they're going on holiday. And then apparently the uni told them that, oh, because you're going on holiday and I'm under 18, I'm not allowed to stay there. This episode of The Trauma Tales is brought to you by Cognitive Behavioral Education, providing training and supervision for people working with people who experience trauma. If you work with people, you know how challenging it can be sometimes and how you can end up having the wrong end of someone's day or having to deal with their trauma. CBE's training and supervision services can upskill and support you and your team to manage, de-escalate and thrive in these situations. For more information, go to www.cbe.net.au. Oh, Oh wow! Okay, that sucks. Yeah. So you had yeah. to move a third time. Move a third time. <laughs> and I, I actually stayed there for like a very, very long time, but not the best homestay experience. Like, cause it's a, it's just like you got eat like pie or like, like you know, like the, um, beef pie or like chicken yeah. pie and stuff like that every day, and then. Oh, he's just not a good cook. And sometimes you go into the bathroom, you see the the doggies poop in the middle of the bathroom. Ew. Yuck. And that was the third one? 
Yeah. And yeah. I stayed there for the longest. I stayed there for like, because like, I've moved it three times. And at that point, I'm just like, well, I just moved to Australia. I've done it. I've moved enough. Like, yeah. Yeah. No more unpacking. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, so you stayed there and you did your de- degree? Yeah. Yeah. What did you do? I got, oh, just civil engineer. Uh huh. Yeah. Like this, I'll be honest, because it's not a G8 group study. It's pretty easy. Like, I'll say that in my mind, it's pretty easy school load wise. Mm-hmm. But then, like, the social bit, like, or the bit that, like, trying to talk to people was the one I struggled the most with. Because back in Vietnam, I was like full time, I was like a full gamer. Yeah. Like, I'll, you know, on holiday, I'll play like 17 hours of gaming a day and stuff like that. Oh my god, that's not good. And then I did not really have how to talk to people. And then I come here, I was like even shocker because you actually don't know anything. So yeah. like I was mentioning, I'll just go to like library, go to all the sh- homework, all the social gathering, sit in the corner, listen to what people are talking about, write on my phone, and go home Google it as oh. much as I can. Oh. oh, that's breaking my heart. So you didn't know what everyone was kind of talking about. You didn't have like the pop culture and the references. So you had to like, learn how to speak to people. Because, like, yeah, I can speak. It's more first is like what I learned in just two things. Because in Vietnam, you got taught really grammar, but not really spoken in English. Yeah. And then it's, it follow American English a lot. And then yeah. every time I speak, I'll try to drag like, you know, like, at the end of a sentence, you try to like say something that to raise your pitch a little bit. Um, as in, well, like, now I'm thinking about it. Yes. <laughs> like when you try to say, uh, how are you doing? Or like, just try to like raise a pitch because that's how like you got taught the American English or their way of teaching in Vietnam was like that. Oh. So I come here speaking like that as well. And I speak it like with my singing voice, not my talking voice. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, oh, I have to be honest, I have, I only learned basic French um, in high yeah. school. The concept of learning a whole new language or being bilingual is like so fascinating to me. And thinking your way through speaking um, would be really hard, I would imagine. And then, yeah, my friends after a year, they told me that I was like, oh, just don't, don't do that. Just speak your own, just speak by your normal voice and stuff like that. Mm. But then, yeah, what I struggle is just try to figure out what everyone else talking about. Like, it's like whether where that uh, who got the right prize shows, stuff to feel, zoos, stuff to zoos, music festival, like stuff that people would know when you come around here. Yeah. So just normal like, like social stuff that any sort of uni kid would be involved in. And and you still. To be honest, like I still know this around here. Like, you know, like if you're like white Australia or like from Australia or like European kind of stuff, you would know like what is where's where's Byron Bay, where's hmm. Splendor in the Grass. Like, yeah, you know yeah, what? Of course. Like, I go to, like I'm talking like last year I went to Brisbane. So these guys like has been in Brisbane for like 10 years, 11 years, but they're like Sri Lanka, like they from New Zealand or been in Brisbane for 12 years, but they are like Indian, 
Sri Lankan culture. So their group of people is a bit different. Mm-hmm. They don't know what is they. I was like, oh, let's go to Splendor, and they were like, oh, what is Splendor? I've never heard of it before. Even oh, though you live in they live in Brisbane. Oh wow, yeah, because that's something like I don't even think about. Of course, I know what Splendor in the Grass is. It's just it's like the it's, Easter show. Like, oh, that's another one. Like, yeah, the Easter show. Very, yeah, no, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's a very distinctive, different in the, and sometimes like. Even like uh, my housemate was asking me the other day to help to get the tool to fix it, and he was like, "Get the ply." I was like, "What is the ply?" Oh, the pliers, yeah. Like yeah. I, I always think of it as a. I always call it myself as a clip. Oh uh, yeah. Well, it, that makes sense but, too. Yeah, I was like, "What is the ply?" And I, and the same was like, you have like in Australia you call Bennett as Bennett, but you call the New Zealand they call Bennett something else. Elastoplast. Oh, oh, yeah, they do too. Yeah. You're right. I can't some, think of it. Yeah, but like there was some completely different. Yeah. We even and do do that in Australia. Like if you don't ask somebody what a slice of potato that's been battered and fried is called because you'll get a different answer in every state. Potato yeah. cake, potato scallop, and there was another one that I've forgotten now. But yeah, we we do have a little bit of of difference, and you know the coloring, um, ink colors. You'll get textures, yeah. or they're called something else somewhere else. Yeah, we like to make mess with everybody's heads, including our own. We're good like that. But yeah, that's that's mostly like, I think for any, yeah, for any people, we just like try to reach out to like see what's a different culture and stuff like that. Mm. And so, I think in, yeah, you're saying? Oh, I was just going to say, I'm curious. Have you experienced racism in Australia? Because we like to think that we're not racist, but I disagree. Is it a PG podcast or? No, no? I swear my head off. Go hard. All right. So I, because I didn't really pay much attention to it. And now I just tell people to fuck off if that happened. But at the time, there was two occasions I remember. And at the time, I was still international student. Mm-hmm. So I'm really like, fuck, if anything happened, I, I just suck it up every time because it's like, oh, if I do something in the mind of the student, you'll be like, oh, shit, we'll protect the Aussie, not the student that come over here. Like, if you you probably get community hour or something like that. But for me, it would be like, I've lost my visa if I'm in the wrong. And at the time, you don't want to have the cost to hire a lawyer either. So it's called a couple of grand yeah, and stuff, yeah. Yeah, of course. which you don't want to spend. So there was two cases that I, I've got that. One time was in New Year's Eve. It's going to be 2014 or 2015, I can remember. And my friend just... um. My friend and me were just like going around, like watching firework and prepare for it. Mm-hmm. And then he was he was asking someone else to taking photo for us, like a white Caucasian. I don't know where he's from. Yeah. And we start getting like taking funny photo and like making funny joke of our stuff and like that. So you asked somebody to take a photo of you and your photo. friend on New Year's Eve, and they started like making yeah. racist remarks and jokes at yeah. your expense. And then the second 
thing I have was I think it's about three years later. This is when I just moved to Aubrey and I still on visa. So I came back to Melbourne like a CBD. So I was going to my friends and oh, I go for the dance class and stuff. So when I go back on the train, obviously you're talking like one, about 11 a.m., 11 p.m., 12 a.m. Late at night. So, yeah. so there'll be a group of four people, obviously two guys, two girls, drunk as hell and probably wants other shit as well, probably. Mm-hmm. So come and just literally the guy, I think he's trying to impress his chick or something, just walk right across to me and was like, hey, mate, where you're from? And I was like, uh, I'm from overseas, mate. What's happening? And he was like, and he starts saying a couple of stuff more. And I don't answer because I know he's drunk and stuff. And I'm not going to. And he was like, fucking hell, can get back to your country. Where's your passport? I'm going to deport you. Or some, something along that line. Like, and I was just like, I just jumped off the tram because I was like. Were you frightened? Sort of, yeah. I would have been. I would have been shitting myself. Someone was like drunkenly just randomly having a go at me. Yeah. But then, yeah, it was a while ago. If it happened, I would just tell them to fuck off. But yeah. But at the time, because like I say, in my mindset was I'm still on a visa. Mm. I will always be in the shithole if I make a move. Do you think that's a common fear of international students to Australia that if they if they talk about or, or, or say anything about people who are being racist towards them that they'll be the ones to get in trouble? I know at the time, yes. I don't know how it is now. I don't necessarily follow the group chat anymore, but like I would say to some degree, yes, because it's mm. just like, well, it's all about like like not many people can actually if you actually get into shit and people come here to actually a lot of people come here to actually change life and want to stay here like more thing mm, make a life so yeah. and then if you get caught in trouble obviously that's just crush okay. the whole thing so i guess i'm asking do you think it silences international students that fear of reporting racism that it will uh, impact on them negatively i would say so but mm. don't i don't know how it is now at the moment because that's like four or five years back with all these promotion around and all people talking around like it probably there'll probably be something i would hope it would be less because it's not acceptable and i'm really sorry that that happened to you and i'm disgusted that it still happens yeah oh well you live and you learn yeah so after you left uni in melbourne yeah what happened then well as an any international student trying to get a job (laughs) i think the the quickest way where i start have to start like get out my shelf was at the third year at uni Mm -hmm. i was trying so hard to get an internship yeah because i uh, to complete an engineering degree you need to get an internship to get uh to complete the course but i keep applying i keep applying for like five four months 
for like mm. four months when I was in the trimester in the trimester, and no one would take me because they were like, "Oh, you don't have any local experience, you don't have any experience at all." And then local I experience. ended the time with what? what as local like, experience. As in like engineering, local engineering experience. Oh right, okay. And then you would probably like, yeah, I keep trying to apply, apply. And I was a bit of like, I don't. Let's say at the time, I'm still like catching up with the culture and know how to communicate with people. So I wasn't as, yeah, I was probably not as actively to talk at the time. Mm. So long story short, I couldn't get an internship, and I have to use my family connection to go to Singapore to do some internship. In this gift giving season, I want to introduce you to Mind Love. They're a hamper company, but with a difference. So most hampers are like about flowers or wine or talkies, robes and candles. And these are all really lovely, but sometimes you want something more personal for the person's needs. Mind Love is a hamper company about our mental health. So you can go to the website and you can either build a hamper from scratch and put anything you like in it from a huge range of products. Or if you prefer, you can select from an already curated hamper and their products are incredible. So I actually had one made for Frankie's wife when she had surgery. It was chock full of amazingness. I selected the ultimate pamper package because she really needed some relaxation and self-care time after everything that had happened in the last few months. She loved it. She told me it was exactly what she needed. And Mind Love isn't just for adults. They have heaps of products and packages for kids and teens as well. So if you want to give something to support someone you love, show them that you hear them and that you see them and help to normalize mental health, go to mindlove.com.au. That's M-I-N-D-L-O-V-E.com.au. Say hi to Jen for me. Tell her I sent you mindlove.com.au. All about prioritizing self-care and mental health. Oh, so yeah. All right, you had to move again. I, I was I live in Singapore three months. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Goodness me, Singapore's beautiful though. It's bloody hot. It's bloody hot. I, I like that though, but I'm Aussie. Um, yeah, bloody hot, but beautiful. I've got friends that live in Singapore, and I went over there for a week. You know, pre-COVID when we were allowed, and it was just oh my god, easiest. I found it to be the easiest, most common sense, well-planned city I've ever been in. Oh yeah. It's really expensive as well. Yeah. Crazy expensive. Goodness. If me. you own a car, you gotta be a millionaire. I know. I was so blown away by that. But everyone just yeah, what there's like Uber and all the transport services, but the the train like is amazing. Like, a Mazda is like how much do you think a Mazda would cost in Singapore? A Mazda? Um, I don't know what are they here like 25 grand or something so like but yeah, it, yeah it's super expensive and it's not the car it's like the tax and stuff because it's the tax yeah yeah my friend was saying that it was about 150 grand for a basic yeah, correct. 150 grand for master goodness gracious because you because I, I this is the time you got to pay 78 grand to actually buy a car Oh God! So they have like a, whatever they call it. There's like a certificate to say you can own a car, whatever it is. Oh. You gotta pay. At the time, it was seventy five, seventy six. 
or 78, like something then it raised like two and a half grand a year or two grand a year or something like that. So it'll probably be like 80 grand now. Crikey. So you went from Vietnam and yeah. like a really sort of traumatic household and childhood over to Australia where you experienced some difficulties assimilating in the social space and you had to move heaps of times and you experienced racism as well. You couldn't get an internship. So then you had to move again over to Singapore where it's a whole different culture. Even, yes, it is an Asian culture, but it's a very different culture. Oh, very, very different. Than- but I think though, probably moving to Singapore is the best thing I have ever done. Oh, really? Not, not necessarily because of what I've done there because engineering-wise, because I've done fuck all there. But I went there and I went to church for three months. Mm-hmm. So I grew up like in a Buddhist household and my mom was like really, really Buddhism. And, but that's another story. And I went there in Singapore and I went to church for three months and I actually started to learn how to share properly. Uh-huh. Like share all these stories and stuff like that. Because yeah. during the first three prior years in Australia, I was, I have friends and stuff, but I always tell them half-ass story. Like I didn't, I never, because I feel really ashamed of the fact that, oh, my dad went to prison. I have this much trauma. So all I tell them was how, how successful my uncle is, my dad used to be, and this kind of stuff. But I did not touch the other parts. Yeah. So you sort of gave so, like just a portion. Yeah portion of it anyway I said start going to church and I I start realizing how people start sharing and stuff mm-hmm. but then yeah I and then but then I didn't never follow Christian I only started going to church again like a month ago yeah because I was like but yeah after that three months in Singapore which is in 2015 I 2016 I think I didn't go through because I told my mom hey what if I'm gonna be a Christian and my mom literally told me, was like, you got to listen to me. You're not allowed to be a Christian. You're not my son if you're a Christian. And stuff like that. Oh. Because oh, they, uh, they, no, they went through a Vietnamese war. So uh, okay. yeah. I think in their mind is like anyone that's Christian related sort of American. I, that's yeah. my guess. I never asked the question. Yeah, didn't want to push that. I didn't want to push that button again, but... Nope, that's I, it. Yeah, but that's all I remember at the time. Mm. And then, yeah, I... And there was a couple of other things happened with the culture. Like, because in Vietnam, there's a heavy, heavily thing on gift culture. Like, mm-hmm. every holiday, give, give, like, like, every... At the time, mm-hmm. it was like every holiday, you got to come to your boss's house to give, like, uh, to give cash and give like alcohol and stuff like that. Oh, okay. It's like a culture where it's like you come to other people, other people lower you to come to you. I don't know how it is now, but at the time, yeah. And then yeah, so the last day when I was about to leave Singapore, so I've already called the people that helped me get the job there that for my uncle connection, and mm-hmm. I told my mom that, and I told her yeah I'm coming home. She she asked me oh have I give them gift yet? I say no. I've had dinner with them. And I've texted them. Blah blah blah. She was like, nope. That's not accepted. You gotta go get a gift. And then then another phone, an hour phone call. I need to go get a gift. 
So I, to I literally your bosses gotta, in Singapore. To yeah, to the connection, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I gotta walk around like the whole day trying to call them again. Oh, hey, can I see you? Can I give you this gift? Blah 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 blah. Oh, that cultural pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I hate it so much. And at the time, I still have a little bit of resemblance. I, I still have a lot of resemblance against Asian culture at the time. Mm. So that is like the big push in my head. I never told my mom that, but that was a push in my head because I was third year in Australia. I was like, do I want to stay in Australia or do I want to go back to Vietnam? Ah, the tug of war. Tug of war. So yeah, I think after I experienced that that experience that's when I was like fuck it I'm not going back to Vietnam yeah fair enough because I can't stand I don't get along with I'd never tell my mom this because I yeah well oh don't, don't worry I very seriously doubt your mom yeah. in Vietnam listens to my podcast yeah uh. but yeah no I don't really care but because oh that at the time because at this time now I don't like I've told my mom everything already yeah. Like I told her I'm not gonna go back and and anyway, um after that I come back to Australia, start focusing on getting more social. Like I joined like road, you know, Rotary International. Oh yeah, yep, yep. That'd yeah, so fun. I joined them, try to like volunteer and like get a bit more connection and stuff, because I know that's what what was my downfall. Mm-hmm. And then I do that. And then I finished year four, trying to get, trying to get like a job, but couldn't get any job because anything that you apply to would be permanent resident required, permanent resident required, Aussie oh, required only. Because you're still a student. Yeah, and then a lot, and the biggest trap hole is for you to get international to get a permanent resident. Mm-hmm. I got it so quick. I got quicker than anyone else. Was for you to get, where you got invitation, and from the point where you get invitation to the point you get residentship, was about a year over a year. Mm-hmm. But then, in any graduate program that got advertised, they would tell you you would have to be graduate within one year or within the last one year, or last two year of uni. The intake for application is only June or July. And so, yeah, long story short, I never had a chance to apply for any graduate program because the timing doesn't match up. Yeah, no, that doesn't make sense. And that's the reason why most of the international students never get a job. They keep studying another degree, another degree, another degree. Like if you, um... if you ever had a chance, go on LinkedIn and scroll through any international student there'll be a good three-year gap between when they finish their degree to when they got their first graduate role, if they're lucky. Because the, the dates don't line up. Yeah. To go apply for permanent residency. So you can to apply for permanent residency is already really, really hard. Mm. And to apply for that, you've got to, yeah, you've got to certify all the English requirements, IELTS requirements, and all that kind of thing. And then you gotta wait for wait, wait for to get in. Hang on. Sorry. I'm confused. So to apply for permanent residency after yeah. having been a student in an Australian university successfully, 
which would require a significantly high level of English speaking writing skills. You then have to do it again. That seems silly. And you gotta need like a perfect score to get. I got the perfect score. That's how I got my residency so quick. But I got like like a year. But people take some people. Some people been in Australia like ten year, eleven years to get their residency. But can you see why that doesn't make sense? Like if you're studying and you're yeah. graduating from an Australian university, obviously you can speak and read and write English. Why would you have to do it again? Welcome to the life of international students. The conversation has been around for about 10 years. This is brand new to me, but my brain is exploding with how ridiculous that sounds. It's, it's always been, that conversation has been around for many, many years and it's never changed. But that's stupid. Why are we bothering to waste everybody's time with that? Of course you can fucking speak and read and write English. Duh. There'll be like, oh, there's so many, like, even after that, like, you take that and they create so many calls to get point, to get residentship, like, you get, like, which is point, yes. So to apply for residentship, you need points. So you got English score, you got eight IELTS, you got this much point, nine IELTS, you get this much point. And then you need to get a certain threshold point so you can apply for the invitation. To, and then you got to wait about three months. You got to wait till that invitation came. And when the invitation came, you got to submit your paperwork. And from the time when you submit your paperwork till you actually got res- permanent resident will be like, I don't know, for me, it was like nine months. Oh, I got a headache. <laughs> this is giving me a headache. Holy shit. That's a lot. Like, that's a lot, a lot. You must really want to be in Australia. Oh, wow. That must take... And, like, you... I'll send you an article the other day where they say, like, how all the... All, like, in... And there's an article on Engineering Australia. Like, the mm-hmm. body... They, they were saying, like, some people with 15-year experience, project manager, project director overseas, but come to Australia, can never get a job. Oh, there was an article. I'll I'll send you. Yeah, yeah, send it to me. I'm curious now because this is not a world that I have anything to sort of or information on or knowledge of. This is all brand new information to me. Yeah, because it's like because because it's all about local experience or like get the actual having the citizenship to stay here. And to some degree, it makes sense because. It's not mixed. Okay, let me rephrase that. To some degree, it's like if they come from overseas, probably their English is not the best, regardless they have 15-year experience or not. And then when you come over in Australia, it's like it's about like if you can speak the language or not, about effective communication, regardless whatever job you do. Mm. And when you don't have like when you're you have a broken English, it's just hard to communicate. Yeah. And and, and I, we're I, not. Notoriously, we're not particularly um, amenable and patient and give a lot of grace in that space. Our expectation is often that, you know, you are expected to speak like me rather than me try and, you know, meet you halfway. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Where is it? Uh, yeah, I found the link. Yeah, flick it to me. I'm really curious hey. now. Okay, so you were given, you, you did get residency. Yeah. 
Yeah, then what happened? And then, but yeah, I was lucky enough that I, after like, I think it was, I applied for around 360 resume in application. Jesus. And then it was like, I think it was like five interview and about six months postgraduate that I got my first job. <sighs> wow. And yeah, at the time I was like working, I was cleaning woolies at night shift, mm-hmm. go home, sleep a couple hours when when like from like Gold Coast to Brisbane, like Geelong to Melbourne to study English and then go back to Take search for the test. Yeah. That must have been stressful. And I was lucky. I was very I was I was I worked a lot on it, but I was very fortunate because I got my shit done in like three months. Mm. There's still people like took them, like I say, been here since I came here 2013. I still see people posting up because I was starting engineering. I was I was living in Geelong. I sort of put myself in a position where I actually got the invitation pretty quick. But some people are coming here since 2010 and still haven't got there yet because they just study stuff like accounting where there's a million other people studying it and you just couldn't get enough points. All right. Oh, I see. So like they want uh, people who are studying things that Australia can then use or has shortages on. Yeah. Right. Pretty much. Getting a tattoo can be a really intense experience. The smell is unique. The space is often exactly what our parents' greatest fears for our teenies were, and sometimes the people can seem intimidating. And this can make it really hard to go through getting that tattoo, especially if you've never done it before. Trauma Tats is a boutique studio where the whole experience, from the time that you call or message, to supporting you to develop your artwork, to making you feel comfortable and safe in the space, to managing big emotions that tattoos can bring to your aftercare, the whole experience is about you and meeting your needs, where you're at and making sure that the story that your tattoo is telling is nurtured and honoured. With special care for those whose stories sit in the trauma space, you, your tattoo and your story are safe with Trauma Tats. If we've ever met or you've seen me online, you probably noticed that I have some tattoos. If you ask me, I'll tell you about them. My tattoos tell a story, just like the ones that I share with you on the Trauma Tales. If you have a story to share or honour and want to do that in a space where you feel safe and respected, contact Trauma Tats, a professional tattoo studio to work through what you've been through. Find them on Instagram or Facebook at TraumaTats1T and tell them Shan sent you. So I've got to ask because I, I am a psychologist and I, I'm, I'm busting here. How was your mental health through all of this? Again, I don't complain much about it because, well, I, I think a lot of my friends have like really talk a lot about it. I don't because I, I probably have more more shit in my back like in my back of my mind about what I've been through. Cause like you know you say when you've been through the worst, it's like, well this is nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause like I was saying with my like when my dad went to prison, I've seen like paper burning in the toilet. I've seen I've got told you're not allowed to go out because you might get kidnapped or like all this kind of stuff before. So I was just like, well, this is another thing. I also really resemble life a lot. Like, I want you, no, 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 resemble. Resent life a lot. I was like, why the fuck do I have to do all this shit? 
Mm-hmm. I does, but I just keep doing. Yeah. So yeah. So how are you today? Oh, a lot better now, I would say. Yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> so you're working as an yeah. engineer. Yeah. Like it? I I'll say like I've got exposure to a lot of stuff and I do enjoy working as an engineer because you got to exposure and see things get built and meeting people. Mm-hmm. But I also, after a while, I realized what I really enjoy was talking to people, hearing their story, asking them how they're doing mm-hmm. rather than actual, the actual technical thing itself. Yeah. Because the way how I go to engineering was my whole family in Vietnam was all engineer in architecture and construction. Ah, so my yeah, my dad was engineer as well. Older brother was engineer. Second older one was architecture. Mm-hmm. And then uncle was a builder. Yep. So we all done construction and building and stuff. And mom was engineer as well. So oh wow. Yeah. You didn't get much choice so, there. That was what was happening. Yeah. So I'm like the black sheep that actually go overseas because my mom told me when she was like 20, she actually had a chance to go to Germany, but she never does. Oh, and she regrets not going? No, she's like a stay at home, <laughs> with like family and stuff like that. So I'm like the only black sheep that actually one that goes away. Yeah, you went on an adventure. And what an adventure. Yeah. So have you been home? Have you been back to Vietnam? Not since COVID. No? No, well, yeah, no, of course. That must be so, hard. Yeah. And how are you doing now? How are things for you now? Um, yeah, things going well. Like I want to try more things. I want to learn more and like, I want to talk to people and stuff like that. Mm. But more importantly, like, like, I, like what I was mentioning to you, I just want to start like a podcast, like a platform where people can come to share their story about because when, especially with like when you're working long hours in construction, mining, that whether you're being engineer or you're uh, a, a blue collar worker or a lay, like there's story of people everywhere. And with the culture that you just push to, push to, never share it, it just put a heavy burden on, mm. on themselves. Like a lot of people I met recently that have gone through a trans like the transition and start sharing and I start hearing the story and I was like he one of the guy that told me he was like his last day working on he's done it for like 12 years mm-hmm. and then his last day on site he was like sharing in front of like in in like a smoko session in front of 200 blokes about his whole story growing up and stuff and I was like wow that took a lot of courage and he said that you start seeing all these big blobs start like softening down and, and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, people does have like, there's always people with story, but you're just like, oh, you got to man up, toughen up and just push through it. Well, I in I used to believe that for a long, I probably say I've, be, I've believed that since I was 10 or I forced to believe that since I was yeah. 10. But I just recently surrender and just acknowledge that you try to set another 
set another goal, set another milestone so you can push through it, but not really directly to it, just bury it. It's like you put it like just like a lot of dirt that you just stack on top of each other to <laughs> climb through. Yeah. Eventually one day that dirt's gonna be sunken down and you're just like you're gonna sunk really deep. Yeah, see now you're like, talking like an engineer. There's no structural integrity in that, is there? Yeah. Exactly. It's yes. all just gonna collapse on you. Collapse on you and oh when you and when your fan first hit you, the mud is only this high. When you go many years, many years higher, 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 but the bottom bottom is not that strong. Instead of falling just this, you're falling oh, from here you. all the way down. And yeah. it's gonna hit you very, very, very hard. Yeah, and I think we see that a lot. I certainly do. Well, if you want any help or like information about starting a podcast, let me know. I'd love to help. I didn't mean to. Do. Yeah, I'd I'd love to help. Let me know. Yes. So I definitely I'm gonna launch it like in a couple of weeks, and it'll be calling "Life Behind the Tools." Oh, that's awesome! I love that. Life behind yeah. the tools. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast today and I'll be keeping my ears out for yours. No worries. Thanks. Thank you and have a good day. Thank you for joining me today on The Trauma Tales. Now is a good time to go and do some self-care, especially if this tale resonated for you. If you'd like to reach out to The Trauma Tales to be a sponsor of the show or to come onto the show, please email the trauma tales all one word all lowercase at gmail.com this podcast is a production of shanna white psychology